Hello, and I hope this update finds you well. I have totally unplugged from everything. Discord, Tumblr, Twitter, all of it. Uh, largely the news as well. I've pretty much unplugged from everything. And I am better because of it. I'm doing my best to get back into the voiceover booth and do some recording for you guys. But quite frankly... I am just really not doing very well or having a good time uh, when I try and remember that there is a real world outside my little cave here. <laughs> and I thought I would give you an update on why the information that I'm prioritizing, why I feel this way, um, and how this came about, because I was not planning on making this update before today. Um, but as I, as I woke up and had my, my green tea to start my day off with, I realized this is what I wanted to do. So the first thing is, what, what do you do when you're unplugged and not working? And the answer is, right now at least, I'm vaping my ass off. Uh, I had a little bit of extra to drink, but not actually hitting the bottle too hard, uh, blissfully. Uh, been doing a lot of cooking. Finally got a good pizza crust or two in. Uh, been doing doing some ribeyes because they were on sale, having fun with that, having a lot of fun making everything basic from bread on up, uh, celebrating five months of cooking, and it's been going great. So there's, you know, little projects like that going on around the house. Uh, I've talked before about how I had a really rough childhood and I had a bad reaction. I had a, I had a particular combative adolescence with my dad. Uh and then there's this show called Deep Space Nine, where basically the main character is the most perfect single dad ever. Like, that's basically, he's such a Mary Sue. Like, it's it's pretty unforgivable how perfect of a human being he is. Uh, but it was, you know, I needed a perfect single dad. And so I'm watching Deep Space Nine again, uh, playing video games uh, like Factorio, where you you know, build things up and just trying to take solace in Commander Sisko's uh, ability and try and, try and steal myself up and become more like him. So uh, that's, you know, personally how I'm trying to pass the time, unplugged and, and, and really, really detached from everything. I had a conversation with somebody uh, that I would consider a friend. I don't know what they would consider me. And I realized during this conversation with them that they didn't really understand much about what was going on with COVID in the world, maybe even domestically. And that's not that big of a deal. Uh, I mean, it's not a big deal at all that nobody does. It's okay. Um. But that made me realize just how unhinged I I was when I made the last update, how I must have sounded. They were very supportive and very kind in every way. But I just started asking them yes-no questions. Do you know about this in relation to COVID? Do you know about that? And not like very specific questions either. And when I kept getting no, I just need to say, the person that I'm talking about, this friend, they work in media. And they're not an anchor. They work in American media, that's their job, nine to five, five days a week, and 
as such, obviously, they're in the top, top, top tier of, of information. And they do COVID stories on their news station. This isn't like a Fox News anchor, however much you want to pretend. This is somebody who works in American media, and, you know, it's a real media outfit doing real media stories on COVID, on politics, you know, world events, the whole thing. Real media outfit. Whatever you think about the American media, and trust me, I have lots of critiques for it, Real media outfit, not 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 some Breitbart or some cesspool or something, okay? So with that context, I tried to remember a couple of weeks I was without internet and I was trying to search for news online with my cell phone, which didn't have the programs or unlimited data or anything that I use, uh, any of my accounts or anything like that on my phone. And how what a nightmare it was, just trying to find any information, like even like... Basic information like where can I find something to eat near me that's not fast food? Where are the grocery stores near me? Even that was kind of a nightmare. And it was really eye-opening for me because up until, you know, those two weeks in, in September of 2020, I have had pretty strong control over my information for the last 20 years. We all build our own media bubbles. I talk about this a lot. There's not a media bubble that some people are in and some people are not. Everybody's in a media bubble. Everybody's constructing their own media bubble. There's so there, We have an attention economy now. You've probably heard that from much smarter people than me. Uh, as people living in an attention-based economy, everyone is building their own media bubble all the time, and that's ever-growing. So that's true of me, too. It's just that I have a lot more control over my media bubble, and it's a hobby for me, and it's something that I enjoy. I don't feel dumb. This is a huge advantage for me. I was made to feel dumb and ostracized so much in my childhood throughout my youth that when I come into contact with new information, at least when it's not being presented by a human being, uh, that, that is overwhelming, I don't feel dumb. I feel that I don't understand it. I know that I don't understand it. I feel it on a biological level. But the unpleasantness, the ickiness, I don't think I feel it the same way that other people do. I really don't. And that sort of media diet for someone is great. It's great for them. But then trying to relate what you have sounds insane to other people. And I know that I often do. Especially since I'll skip steps, and especially since I'll be high, and especially since I'll ramble, uh, I know how nuts that must sound. So, with a little R and R in me, now that I've gotten some, uh, and and you know, trying to remember the steadfast leadership of Commander Cisco as a as a mental and personal model, because that dude is that dude gets challenges every week, and he rises to them. So you know, just gotta just gotta Cisco it up a little bit. Uh, here is why I am unironically saying the phrase perpetuating Holocaust and why I am saying I'm seeing Wuhans everywhere. Because to me, those sentences make a lot of sense. And I'm only just now realizing, oh, to you, that is just gibberish, just nonsense. It's just a turn of phrase that... Daddy likes to play with, because Daddy likes to play with words. So, we're going to start off with a non-political definition of hospital collapse. Now, I don't know what, technically speaking, in your nation or, or your region, a hospital collapse is defined as, so we're going to define it real quick. 
what is hospital collapse? Just for, for, for our intents and purposes of this update and, and my mental health and why I'm not doing okay with it. Um, we're going to define hospital collapse as a 10% increase in lethality slash mortality. That's 10% additional people dying. Whatever the correct nomenclature is, I don't even know what it is. Uh, in a hospital system over a period of time, whatever period of time you wish to define it as, because of a shortage of one of three things only. One, staffing slash personnel. There's literally not enough people there, or the people there are in such bad shape that they're not performing duty. They're crying in a closet or literally physically exhausted in a sleep, because that does happen. The, f the human body does eventually run out of energy, I promise, no matter how much snack food or, or, or caffeine you wish to pump into it. Uh, so staffing, right? The actual personnel are not there. Two, beds. We're just going to keep it simple and just say beds. Obviously, beds is much more uh, intricate than that, but, but beds is a, is a pretty good global measurement. There's a, there's a bout, if you do your research, there's about 10 ICU beds per 100,000 people on this earth. And when those beds are filled up, there are worse consequences. Whether that leads to mortality or not is, is to be determined. Uh, morbidity or, or not, whatever. Again, I don't know the correct nomenclature. Uh, so beds, staffing one, beds two. Number three, uh, we're just going to keep it again simple, treatment. This could be anything. This could be uh, the miracle cure that's working real good, mono monoclonal antibodies or whatever. This could be oxygen. This could be anything in between the two, something as simple as concentrated oxygen, which uh, is so necessary for so many things besides COVID all the time. Uh, and then, you know, state-of-the-art COVID-only 19 treatments, anything in between the two, so long as the system normally uses them, right? We're not going to count it against a system that doesn't have it if they don't normally. And then they run out. And that running out causes at least 10% more people to die over a significant period of time, whatever we define that period of time as. That's hospital collapse, okay? Just real simple definition. One of these three things has to be missing. It has to cause at least this reaction. We're not even, like, if a bunch of people don't show up for, for COVID shifts and people get heart attacks or people get, you know, bilateral pneumonia that they weren't supposed to have, yada, yada. If they don't die, we're not even going to count it for this one. This is sort of something that I call the Great Morbidity Conference that will be done on a global level one day when COVID really is either wiped out or no longer an imminent threat. This is, this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking, the basic definitions so we can get it clear. What's going on? What's going to happen there? By the definition that we're using of hospital collapse, not only has America already suffered it, not only have countries like Brazil and the news already suffered it, but depending on how you want to go about it, depending on who your investigator is for the country or the region, there's a real good chance that just about every country in the world already has. But even if that's not true, it's coming. And I'm going to tell you about why it's coming and why I say the phrase, I'm seeing Wuhans everywhere. So let's just take a real quick step back.
January 2020. We still don't know when, where, or how, specifically, the original L cluster in Hubei province in Wuhan got there. The initial thesis of maybe it was this wet market, uh, there's just not enough consensus on that for anybody to to say it publicly at least. And I'm a layman, so I'm not going to pretend otherwise. We do believe it came from an animal to a human. We do probably believe still consensus-wise, all all the medical scientists out there, that it went from a bat to another mammal, probably, to a human being, somewhere in China. Why is that important? Because it exploded all of a sudden in Hubei. It got passed around somewhere in China, and then in Hubei it just exploded. And this is not the only time it did. We're going to skip forward a little bit, just another month, to Italy. At this point, there's the occasional breakout. You've got the occasional medical officer or scientist in Europe ringing an alarm bell. But at this point, Europeans are making a lot of fun of each other about, you know, who's going to get sick or why and whose healthcare system is better and yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, there's a major explosion in Italy. Italy, northern Italy specifically, and all of these questions arise. Is it be- well? It's a rich area. There's lots of old people there. It's very densely populated. Maybe this is why. Why? Why northern Italy of all the places in the Western world? Why did it explode in Hubei first, and then northern Italy second? Well, we're never really going to find out why it exploded in Hubei. Uh, we're never going to find out why it exploded in Wuhan. When I don't know something, I look for experts who are yelling at each other. (laughs) I look for actual certified experts who have previously talked about something and they're yelling at each other because something about two experts yelling at each other helps me pick things up real quickly. It's almost like it's kind of a rubric. It's kind of a model that both of my parental guardians used at all times and I had to be hypersensitive to or something. Anyway, watching two experts go fucking at it uh, is, is really quite enlightening for me. And I'm always looking for them to be disagreeing and why, because that's the good stuff. And when I very, very confusedly am, am looking at, at, at Wuhan like, this looks like the end of the world. Why isn't anyone paying attention? I was looking for all the experts who would be like, no, it's not the end of the world. Everything's fine. But initially, when it's just Wuhan and it's just the disease experts talking, they all said, every single one found, uh, that I found said exactly the same thing. Oh, my God. China is doing the worst thing. Beijing is doing the worst thing. They closed down the market and they're sterilizing everything. This is like wiping down the crime scene. And I found several different uh, analogies like that. Wiping down the crime scene, hiding the evidence, burning, taking everything out back and bleaching and burning it, yada, yada, yada. Basically, uh, Chinese authorities came in. Uh, and to the wet market that's so infamous, and they just went to town. They sterilized it. They killed the animals, yada, yada, yada. And from a, apparently, from a research standpoint, this is just the crime of the goddamn century, apparently, because it would have given us so many clues on where it came from, but also apparently treatments would have come quicker, 
uh, you know, all kinds of probably vaccines would have come quicker. You can be saying, well, vaccines came very quick. Not really. We can talk about like, you know, the SARS vaccine and where Moderna got theirs from and all that kind of thing. Not really. Not really. A lot of research, apparently. I don't know what I don't know. But apparently all these initial searches and, and the jumps when they still thought it was the Wuhan wet market going back and forth, all of those initial jumps and which species and, uh, uh, were getting it and which weren't from the initial L cluster, all of this is apparently super valuable information. It's not all going to directly turn into an outcome that we care about as laymen, but the eggheads all said the exact same thing. Not consensus, not a general agreement. Every single egghead on disease I read said the same thing. Ah! About Beijing wiping down Wuhan. Well, now we go back to Northern Italy real quick. I promise I'm not even rambling this time. Isn't it insane? And the difference between Northern Italy uh, and, and that big outbreak that happened in Hubei province is... We actually got good research out of it. We got Western agencies, not just Italian uh, agencies, but uh, New England Medical of Health, uh, Journal of Health, uh, went in there, uh, various other uh, uh, non-Italian uh, open source, as it were, investigations went in and explored why Northern Italy. Is it because they're old? Is it because it's densely populated? Is it because they're rich and COVID hates money? Uh, the answer is a single German. A single German, a German traveler, went for a music festival in and around Milan, I want to say, maybe Turin, it's been a while, and they were just a super spreader. Everything that you saw that happened in Italy, all of the machine guns and everybody on the roads and everything like that, is all because of one German traveler, one super spreader. They just happened to have that V-load going, and they spewed it all around when they went to their little music festival, out it went. In comes Europe's big cloud, Europe's big first spike. In short, it's not confusing what happens with COVID when there's a sudden spike or outbreak. We don't have all the answers on Wuhan, but the same kind of people who want literally every single answer for every point of data, otherwise you're not capable of, of proving your theory, are the same people who are still saying, oh, you know, climate change, I can't really, you know, they're still, I saw, I saw Dr. Obvious Hack on, on Fox the other day, and he said that, that if, you, if, 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 you, if you eat uh, the fumes from a car, you actually gain powers. And that it was the only thing keeping George Floyd alive. It's a dark time. I'm sorry. I have to make shitty jokes to keep myself sane. So, what uh, I'm sarcastically uh, trying to bounce off of is a concept that COVID is pretty well understood when it outbreaks. There's a lot that's confusing about it. Long COVID, Miss C., Things like this are just so baffling to read as a non-medical expert, as somebody who doesn't really know much about medicine or treatment or medical science, because typically when a disease is bad, the questions are what? What are we doing? What are we going to do about this? What's the cause? What's the cure? When COVID, it constantly is why. Why is long COVID is a scary question because it has, as far as I can tell, six fucking answers. Doctors all over the globe go into bat for six different answers on why long COVID. Not what is long COVID, 
but why long COVID hurts you? So there are so many mysteries about this thing still, but one of them is not outbreaks. One of them has been understood for about a year perfectly. We understand and have understood from an epidemiological standpoint the Italian outbreak and how it happened. And now I want to start talking to you about what's been going on in the world recently and how Planet America apparently just isn't hearing any of this. Because if people working in the news don't know what I'm about to tell you, then there's no way that virtually any of you have heard this. And this is what's causing me to just crumple, to just have to have unplugged and be unapologetic about it and just be very, very selfish. Okay? This is, this is what it's at. This is where it's at for me, and this is why I'm here, where I am. In the exact same way that my PTSD or mental illness or nuisance or Cassandraism or whatever you want to call it activated about Wuhan, because everything that I know about Xi and Beijing and international politics tells me that China does exactly one thing, tries to look as good as possible, as all times from all angles. That's it. That's the game, especially in the 21st century in China. It confuses a lot of people, but that's it. Just imagine Trump, but smarter and with a way better way of phrasing things. It's just always, I'm, this is the best face and everything looks as good as possible for me. That's it. That's all Beijing's answer is ever going to be to anything at any time. That's it. Until China, until the people of China get a government that's worth a good goddamn, that's all it's going to be. And therefore, as soon as they shut down a city of 10 million, that shows weakness, that hurts the economy, it makes everything look bad, that means something serious is happening. Ever since then, I've been on the lookout. And quite frankly, there haven't been that many Wuhans. The entire world saw Italy happen at once. I didn't see that one happening. I was looking at something called the Diamond Princess while Italy was happening. I was looking at the coast of Japan. I was watching Southeast Asia while the rest of the world was watching Italy. And there's not been a lot of these outbreaks since. There's been a couple, but in 2020, they essentially did not happen. Didn't happen. It's not that there weren't bad, bad outbreaks in countries. It's just that the kind that we're talking about here where the oxygen just kind of goes whoosh. And then like a, all of a sudden, there's an explosion like happened in Hubei province, like happened in Italy, like started going across Europe and then, you know, hit in America a little bit with New York City, West Coast to uh, Washington, a little bit during that first wave. But then after that, there was like the sun wave, the sun belt wave in America, you might remember. Over that summer, after being told seasonality was a thing, waka waka. Then a bunch of different states in the quote-unquote sun belt of America all had waves. Not nearly as bad as New York overall, but then led to a national spike that was worse than the first wave. All right? Same thing. Same thing. The rest of the world kind of went through the sunbelt phase that America did. Patchworks of really bad outbreaks, generally speaking, but nothing hyper-overwhelming. Nothing that's causing headlines from other countries to penetrate your news network 
because your stuff is still very serious. <clears throat> this begins to change December 2020. And it doesn't change in Brazil. If you're saying Brazil, 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 Brazil. Personally, I'm just going to say it. I think there's a reason for that. And I think the reason is bigotry. Just pure, old-fashioned bigotry. Not racism, per se, because I don't particularly think Americans know what the Brazilian race is. I'm very informed, and all but a couple years ago, I asked a Brazilian woman to her fucking face, do you identify as Latin? And the look on her fucking face told me, no, no, she did not. So I'm not sure if it's racism or what it is. But at least from Planet America's standpoint, it's bigotry. Oh, Brazil's just a... Have you seen the videos with the cops under... Ah, and the motorbikes. Ah, it's just Brazil. It's just bigotry, quite frankly. And we'll talk about Brazil in a second here. But this is the important thing that if you're listening and you want to have any empathy for me, if you really want to have an understanding about why I'm going through a semi-psychotic break right now, if your answer was Brazil or Israel, if you have this kind of cheap shot answer like I haven't heard of before, just, just, just divorce yourself from it. Keep in mind that you're listening to a guy that you must in some way like or respect, and I have literally spent every single day, more or less, since January 2020, reading about one subject and one subject only. One thought on my mind. Not even pussy. COVID. And what it was going to do. I was reading about that through 2020. Obsessed. In a dark place. Lonely. Isolated. And then, even then, seeing all the horrible things that I knew were going to happen, happen. Even in my worst moments. Outbreaks like Wuhan, Northern Italy, aren't happening. New York City. Not really. Not on a global level. Then South Africa, December 2020 happens. And it's very, very confusing because it's not like the news reports will make it once you join it, once you see the outbreak. Initially, it's very confusing, the news reports coming in from South Africa. See, they went on pretty good lockdown as a country, the entire country of South Africa through 2020. And they didn't really have too bad of outbreaks or anything specifically in any uh, particular region. And then news comes in of much younger patients coming in much sicker than typical. Much sicker than typical anywhere else in the globe, not just South Africa. And as they start to trickle in, all of these reports, uh, not just reports, but also people being very sick and young people coming in, an answer is given, and the answer sounds really good to me. It sounds very practical. After a year of lockdown, South Africans have the end of their school in December. Right? In America, we very stupidly, uh, we just kind of have a break in the middle and we don't even, it's not even like the middle of a semester or anything often. Uh, <laughs> depends on where you are in the country. January means nothing. The end of the year means nothing. It's just a little breaky poo. Uh, but at the end of uh, December, in the beginning of December, uh, as it is, uh, you're done with your school year in South Africa. And 
major, major ragers, uh, big, big parties on the beach, were thrown all over Africa by young people celebrating getting over uh, a school year, being cooped up inside for a fucking year, uh, celebrating on the beach, drinking, partying, having a good time, being young in a way that Americans legitimately can't remember that they tried to do <laughs> scant, scant years ago in their own lives. <gasps> what? Children drinking on a beach? By God! Uh, and so this was the explanation given. There were just so many kids on so many beaches, and they were all drunk, and they were all partying, and they were letting loose after a year. They got some of the bad, sicky-wicky COVID, it'll be fine. But then they kept fucking trickling in. And trickling in. And then it stopped just being exam-age youth and kids. It started being people in the 20s and 30s. Now, demographically, South Africa, Africa, very, 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 very wide, big continent, lots of different political regions, lots of different demographics. But just real quick, super quick overview of, de of Africa compared to Europe, compared to Asia, compared to North America, really young, median age Africa, really young. So if a disease isn't taking people 30 and younger into the hospital system, generally speaking in Africa, again, very diverse region, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But it starts being a very big deal. And in fact, this is what eventually leads us to understand that there is a South African strain, that it can bypass Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and the Johnson & Johnson as well, apparently, to some degree. That it has not just... That a strain of COVID has not just already developed an escape mutation against the vaccines that Americans, Israeli, etc., are most likely to use. But it's also hitting young people harder. Is it spreading faster? We can't really tell from the outside, because again, up until now, countries in Africa with younger populations, younger median populations, more rural populations, all kinds of uh, advantages over a respiratory uh, plague, quite frankly, uh, are starting to get assumed. Is it spreading faster, or is it just hitting this population for the first time? These are the questions we're just beginning to ask at the end of December that you're probably not seeing because all of the news in December in America is apparently, Vaccines, baby! Holidays are on! Baby Jesus' birthday at my house! Hooey! And then you know what the reaction to that in America was, probably, no matter where you are in the world. But this is the news that's coming out of South Africa. There's an escape mutation variant. It's waylaying people as young as fucking 17, 18, with some regularity. A concerning regularity, especially compared to previous strains of COVID in Africa. And it's spreading rapidly. This strain in January, starts taking down countries, the healthcare system, should we say, once again, define healthcare collapse as we have, caused healthcare system collapse throughout countries in the southern part of Africa, not South Africa, the country, but in the, let's just say, sub-Saharan region of Africa, to kind of divide it up real quick and easy. Uh, and so in the sub-Saharan region of Africa, a number of countries simply throughout 2020 never really had overflow. Botswana is one of them. And then all of a the sudden, Shazam. 
after the South African strain, quote unquote, starts spreading around, they have hospitalizations. Their median age, 28-year-old in Cameroon, suddenly doesn't stop them. The number of sunlight hours, should vitamin D actually deflect COVID? It's really quite debated right now if that's true or not. Uh, Suddenly don't matter as much. That's December of 2020, and the game plan just didn't change on a global level. Real quickly about Brazil, since you, if you've heard about any of this, you've definitely heard about Brazil. In a very remote region of Brazil, in the Amazonian region of Brazil, in a city that's right up against the goddamn forest, uh, goddamn jungle, uh, it was thought that a kind of herd immunity, or close to herd immunity, had been achieved. And then this horrible variant pops up. You've likely heard about the Brazilian variant, but did you know how it was discovered? I've talked about this previously in the podcast. It was discovered in Japan. And that's when the official studies and everything and all of the concern after the Japanese uh, government uh, said that there's a new strain of concern in Brazil. Then the massive spikes occurred. They have not abated in Brazil. They are as bad as they have ever been. Deaths, hospitalizations. In fact, just today, it got so bad. This is, should be a very great concern to my fucking audience, as far as I, I can tell you. The country of Brazil is now advising you to not get preggers. And I don't know if you know this, but Brazilian doctors also know that human incubation takes nine months. They're not unaware of that fact. In fact, before COVID, Brazil's inoculation rates and uh, medical system and inoculation was considered to be one of the jewels of the region and was previously celebrated in multiple WHO and likewise like UNESCO medicine reports. There's a lot of bigotry about fucking Brazil just because there's corruption at the top and there's violence in the streets because of it. And it goddamn infuriates me. So, <clears throat> should you understand that Brazil, previous to COVID, actually had a really great vaccine inoculation system in place, perhaps even better than the U.S., believe it or not? depending on what metrics you wish to go by. This is really bad. This is as bad as it can be, as far as I'm concerned. The outbreak started in January, and because it was not curbed, because the new strain was not detected, because policy was not changed, on a federal level, because states did try, mayors and governors, forgive me, I'm probably using the wrong terms, but the equivalence of mayors and governors uh, uh, across Brazil uh, and their state system have done their best, have really done their best, by and large, as far as I can tell. I'm sure this are my roles if you're Brazilian there. But really, from the outside, I mean, no expert on Brazilian policy am I. They really tried. But because they lacked federal support, because they lacked... Uh, quite frankly, global support, which is what you would need for a country the size of Brazil, uh, it floundered and failed. And now, three months into this massive surging outbreak of what's called P1, P1 surged outbreak, 
Brazil is today now saying don't get Pragers for the next nine months. Don't get Pragers because we may not be able to care for you throughout the next nine-month process. You're going to need natal vitamins. We can't promise that. Sorry, prenatal vitamins. We can't promise those. You're going to need a CT scan. We may need that for somebody's lung. Because when we run out of PCR and antigenic testing, that's how we do it. In Brazil, at least sometimes in some places. So don't get fucking preggers. (laughs) To any woman out there who was concerned about Zika and what Zika might do to your body in pregnancy, look at what COVID is actually forcing upon women who are pregnant and the choices that they're making in Brazil. For God's sake, won't you please? I do not mean to talk down to you. I do not mean to be too coarse or too rough. But won't you, if you were in any way concerned about Ebola or Zika or anything else in your life, won't you see what the actual effect that COVID is having on pregnant women on Brazil is and what it is going to be? I said I was going to be brief on Brazil. I apologize. There's more information about it. On we go. These are not Wuhans that I fell apart about in mid-March, though. I talked about it previously, uh, that one of my last tweets sent out was to somebody who writes for Voice of America because I was infuriated with them. So let's real quickly talk about the Philippines. The Philippines uh, is experiencing, once again, uh, because of uh, Japanese scientists and government, we know this, uh, a P3, probably, fueled outbreak. We don't really know. There's not a lot of sequencing going on in the Philippines. You need sequencing, not just positive tests, to understand uh, what's going on with an outbreak. Uh, P3 is probably behind it, but we'll real quickly talk about India and why that doesn't matter in the scariest possible way. Because <laughs> it's gotten even worse than we thought it was going to get at the beginning of this in our worst hypothetical scenarios. Okay, so... Real quick, the Philippines, up until recently, did not actually go through what I was talking about with the patchwork uh, outbreaks. Philippines actually had a pretty bad outbreak that never really got 100% under control again. They're one of the countries that just had like one giant, looks like kind of a parabola, if you, uh, sorry, parabola, uh, to the English-speaking word, parabola, Uh, a parabola. Uh, if you cut it off at a certain point, it kind of gently slopes up. I mean, it's a pretty quick slope up. You have a gentle decline. Uh, and it just kind of looks like a big bulge, like, you know, like like a fat man lying on his back. Big old beer belly. Uh, and this is where Daddy sends out an ex- exasperated tweet. Because shortly after this, it starts ticking up again. And the tweet that I sent out to the Voice of America author... Uh, probably just a very nice person, just trying to doing his fucking job, punching the fucking keys and shit. Um, I was mad because P three was identified that day in Japan, and there was a major uptick happening. And Voice of America was saying that Philippines COVID was finally under control, and this infuriates me. This causes a angry, disturbed portion of me to immediately activate and seek truth. Demand truth. Truth cannot defend itself. And every part of me that has ever been bullied or mitigated comes screaming out at once, demanding that the truth be respected. 
And I am abhorrent because of it. This is why I'm in isolation. The Philippines in the last week have literally more than doubled their daily case rates, their hospitalizations, deaths, all of which are massively increasing. I'm going to say that again. In the Philippines, after victory was declared by an American media source, pretty much right after, Philippines took its all-time daily high and more than doubled it. There is no real sign and no real concept of policy that can stop this. We are, as a species, in the dark, in the dark, on why specifically P3 is doing what it's doing in the Philippines, and if it is. The testing, the sequencing, we're not there. And I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but Durate, I believe is how I'm supposed to say his name, is a truly, truly horrible tinpot despot. He is the worst kind of leader. If you think Trump was the worst kind of leader to have during COVID, I could only Durate, I believe, again, is how you're supposed to pronounce that, uh, introduce you to him and his fucking family, the execution squads, the drugs, all the rest. It's really something else. And so the concept that they're going to be able to fight this thing is nigh on nil. The only way that we're going to be able to find out as a human species on if P3 is like the South African variant and can simply get around the vaccines that's already coursing through the loved ones in your life veins, if you're American, is if international support goes in and does it, and it's not going to happen. Once again, the Philippines already went through a real bad spell of COVID nationally and is now going through a much worse one that is accelerating. And none of this information is making it out. We're talking about fifteen to 20,000 people confirmed in a country that has really broke down infrastructure, but also social trust because they've been living under a tin pot despot for so long. And that is going to keep multiplying. I understand if I suddenly just start saying a name like, look up Serbia, that that's not really helping. So I ask you to please consider the cases that I'm giving you one by one and really evaluate if this is another Wuhan or not, if this outbreak signifies a change or a shift in the same way that it did in Wuhan, the same way that it did in Italy, in the same way that it did in South Africa. Because whether or not you know it or not, Moderna and Pfizer and all the vaccine companies and a lot of world governments made a huge move as soon as they found out about the South African variant and what it could do. But what if that's happening right now in the Philippines and they don't have the information that they need? I don't mean to leave too long of a pause there, but sincerely, how could it be fought by Pfizer's executives? How could it be fought by any immunologist or epidemiologist in the world if it's not sequenced and understood? If we don't know what percentage 
of this more than double all-time highing is coming from P3, how can we know what it is? This brings me to the next level of concern that I have India. You might have heard the phrase double mutant. <laughs> just let me just say that is something that I once orgasmed to as a young boy who enjoyed X-Men comics. That's what I would consider getting my dick in between Rogue and Storm at the same time. The, the beautiful and rare jizzing to the double mutant. Oh, the dream lives on. I've never, never, ever been so tempted by a woman that I know would be awful for me as Rogue from X-Men. I know. I know that I would die climbing that hill. I don't know if I could stop myself. The double mutant. Uh, I don't want to get too into the science of it because I am no medical scientist and I will probably get some aspect of this wrong. But let's just say that the mutations and the permeations of COVID are really well understood. Now, you may go, well, earlier you said it's not understood. Uh -huh. Well, again, I want to celebrate. Some things about COVID are understood entirely well. And some are very mysterious. Some things about it are completely understood. Some things, there's a lot of questions remaining. And some things are really wide open. And one of those things, believe it or not, that's really wide open is why outbreaks occur. There's a lot of debate. There's, a gr there's more debate and more words being dropped among fucking epidemiologists that I have never even remotely seen the base words of than just about any time in my life besides maybe watching like a rocket being launched or some shit. Like, really. There's some real high-level noodle-bending debates going on about why COVID outbreaks are even happening. Huh? But you think that's confusing. There doesn't seem to be any confusion about COVID mutations and why those mutations can cause further outbreaks. Huh? I know. But really, the mechanisms of how COVID mutates and why it's mutating, well, they're pretty well understood. Even I, just informing myself with the papers that have been out there uh, since December and January, I believe that I've come to just the most basic level of understanding on the types of mutations that COVID is capable of, why it's making them, and why scientists are so capable, uh, or so confident that they're going to be able to make algorithms and formulas that predict the mutations. So just super quick, COVID is a bitch. I don't really like using that word, especially with a female audience right now, but since all of you are using it anyway all the goddamn time... COVID's a giant fucking soppy, wet, not in a good way, bitch. This done, this virus got rode hard and put away wet, and it has come out angry because of it. Every environmental threat you've ever heard, every teenager who's ever like, I hope there's a plague. COVID was listening. I'm not trying to alarm a doomsay in any way, especially this far in, when I say that COVID picked up a lot of tricks on how to learn new tricks. And it does so primarily through three ways. One is the very academic-sounding deleterious. Deleterious 
What does that mean? Well, the base word is delete, and it means exactly that. All progeny, although viruses are apparently not alive, what the fuck? What are you talking about? All progeny going through a system of replication have a check to see if the RNA, the DNA, the genomes, if they're going to produce the offspring that you are. You, su you successfully survived and got resources up to the point that you're at. Now we're going to make a pretty good copy of you. That's life 101, baby, that viruses are apparently not a part of. And this knows different with COVID or any other virus. The problem is it can only check for what's there, not what's not there. So if there's a certain kind of deletion that isn't going to be foolproof with the, MNA, R, M, with, ugh, with the RNA, with the DNA, it gets through. The best way that I can come up with to convince myself that I understand this and that I'm not a total madman is, imagine there's a mass transit system, a subway system. If you're American, I know you're really going to have to apply some imagination here, but do your best. And the system that we use for this computer is... We're only going to check and see if trains are leaving the right place at the right time. We're not going to check and see which train. We're just going to see if trains are leaving at the right place and right time. And if every train's leaving at the right place and the right time, boom, system's working. Now, that's not a foolproof system, but it's a pretty good one. Because literally, if if your system every time before sending any train off is always just checking, hey, if did I make sure at every stop every train went through at the time that I said it was? Okay, keep going. Well, that's not the worst. You can definitely come up with worse systems than that. Better systems, sure. But again, if you're checking every single time that every single train is arriving when and where you said it was, right? Or is departing, not arriving, apologies, departing, every single time. Well, that means that they're arriving when they need to, to get there every single time as well. Huh. Makes sense. Well, that's a shortcut. COVID took it. Sometimes COVID's only checking what's going to arrive and when it is. And that's allowing for mutations to appear. There's also the, I just love this, the wild-type mutation. Doesn't that sound fun? Doesn't that just sound fun for something that's going to cause so much human death and suffering? It's a wild type! And then the Pokemon music plays. I don't actually know what Pokemon music plays. Uh, Pokemon music is because I fucking get into that shit immediately. But just like, you know. And that's wild type battle music. Wild type mutations are actually very well understood. Isn't that funny? Wild type is really well understood, the mechanics of it. Uh, and I'm not going to pretend to understand it or to the point, especially that I can pretend to teach you guys. But basically, the mechanics of when nucleic acids and when proteins and when various, uh, l not ligaments, as ligaments if, if they were human beings, but various aspects that allow transfer in between are very well understood to the point where scientists are saying pretty pretty late last year uh, in the papers that I tried to scarf down, uh, you know, like, oh, if this happens, then this will happen. If, if the N protein mutates like this, then the S protein will have to mutate like this to adapt because uh, it's going to slide right in. You know, it's, it's just that well understood to the eggheads who get it down to that level. Isn't that amazing? 
So two types of mutations so far, deleterious, deleting, wild type, uh, and then lastly, of course, uh, because I'm trying to do all this off the top of my fucking head. This is all just information that I have. I'm sorry. Uh, I guess I've forgotten the third fucking type! Uh, apologies there. I took a little bit of a pause. Uh, and I, I definitely need to take a step back uh, from trying to talk so professorially about uh, the different types of mutations. Uh, I don't believe that I've in any way given bad information or misled anybody on anything. Uh, but I just perhaps don't understand this as well as I need to. Real quick, super about the basics and the mutation to get back to the overall point. The mutation mechanics about COVID are very well understood. How it's mutating and why. There are great articles out in the last week, Scientific American, uh, Stat, various medical uh, journals talking about future algorithms, future predictions for, for just how uh, these mutations are going to appear, why we keep seeing the same mutations appearing across the world, even though we're sure they're not connected by something called lineages. Um, all of that information is very well understood and very well out there. Uh, apologies. A little embarrassed that I didn't, but let's get right back on uh, track, allegedly. So we're going to go back to, we're going to go to India real quick. Um, and India, and you guys not hearing about that, I have to admit, is pretty much why I'm doing this. Um, India is a very big country for two reasons when it comes to COVID. One, its population is huge. Two, it is an absolute pharmaceutical giant uh, when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to something called APIs. Uh, that's active pharmaceutical ingredients. That's the part of medicine that's medicine-y. There's a lot of medicine that's not medicine-y, but the API is the medicine component of most medicine. Uh, strange as that may be, it's the chemically active components, the part that makes your body do something. And India is just a major, major, major country in either of these fronts. India has been giving away uh, or selling, for diplomatic reasons, tons of vaccines. And this has been really good for them. Uh, really good for the world. Lots of vaccines, typically pretty cheap compared to at least Pfizer, Moderna, Western companies. Uh, India is subsumed as we speak right now by something called the double mutant, but it's even worse than that because of new information that's come out. We found out that India has a double mutation, two different mutations in it, uh, in its spike proteins, in its ability to bind to receptors that at the same time, are allowing it to apparently take over the goddamn country of India, and it's spreading worldwide, but we don't know how far, because surveillance in Southeast Asia, it's just not great. Testing and surveillance in nearby countries, it's just not good. But the information that we have coming out of the double mutant in India is terrifying in and of itself. No doomsaying needs to be said. India is now routinely over 200,000 daily cases. Their religious majority are the Hindu, and as we speak, a major week-long Hindu festival is going underway. Lots of pilgrimage, lots of moving around. Uh, top Hindu spiritualists, which are called everything from, from seers to... <laughs> I don't even want to get into it. All kinds of different top layers of, of the Hindu clergy, as it were, uh, are dying of COVID, and it's not even remotely stopping people from going around. Uh, India is almost certainly undercounting both cases 
and deaths at this point just because they're overwhelmed in their system. The double mutant was blamed for all of this. It was discovered a little bit earlier this year after P1, after P3, I want to say even, the double mutant was discovered in India. However, two pieces of news have come out that are so, 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 so much worse about the situation that the world finds itself in because India has said double mutant going across the country. I just said that India is now routinely getting over 200,000 positive tests a day. Uh, the number one sequencer of positive tests by volume is still the UK. By percentage, not the UK, but by volume, the UK. And the UK has come up with, I believe it's 78 cases of the double mutant were found in their sequence library in February. That is to say, approximately 80 cases of this double mutant that's causing 200,000 cases a day in India now, plus, and no, no sign of slowing, is now, or was already significantly, significantly in the UK with their lockdown in effect in February. The double mutant, once again, there's no question that it has mutations that allow it to bypass antibody response and also infect us better. There's no question. There's none. There's no question in the scientific community. And now there's no question that it spread as far as the UK in February. The other piece of news that's just so dreadful about this is, once again, I'm going to say it because the numbers bear repeating, 200,000 daily cases in India. But experts in Indian medicine, after sequencing, are only just now predicting that 70% of the cases are driven by this double mutant. And that may sound like a lot. It is. 70% of 200,000 is a lot. No doubt. But it should be damn near 100. From the, from the napkin math that Daddy does, and... Obviously, I am a lone voice in the wilderness in many ways, so do keep that in mind. But in the napkin math that Daddy does, it should be higher than 70 if it's causing that great of a jump. If all-time highs and that many more people are being infected than ever before, and it's that much serious, more serious, then it should have been higher by 70 by now. And what that means is that worse is coming. You understand? Because the, the virus hasn't even taken a complete hold yet, and it's already causing this horrible effect. So once it takes complete hold of a country, worse is in store. More cases are coming more quickly, because it still hasn't beat out the challengers. Or, or, one of those challengers is more infectious than the double mutant, more deadly and more capable of spreading, and will eventually overtake it. These are pretty much the only outcomes for India right now with the information that we have available. And if something like this is happening in the Philippines, we won't know. We won't know. And now back to Brazil. You've heard a lot about it. 
The P1 variant in Brazil that has now assumed pretty much every region of the entire country to the point where once again real long-term future plans on medicine are now being considered because of the day-to-day disaster that they're going to be living under in Brazil, medical authorities. P1 is still mutating. And not only is P1 mutating, but P1 is picking up mutations faster, according to the last study that we got. It's not only more transmissible, it's not only more deadly, it can not only escape antibody uh, reactions, it can not only bypass your vaccines, at least some of the time, at least some vaccines. But the mutation rate is increasing, not decreasing, and the mutations are getting deadlier. So everything that has happened in Wuhan, everything that happened in Italy, everything that happened in New York City, all of these variants and all these explosions that popped up in the past. I know how this is going to sound, but big boy and girl panties on, that was the old game. Ah, COVID's going to hit someplace. You restrict some movement. We get some vaccines. Yada, yada, yada. Who's up for seeing monkey versus lizard? Who wants to see ScarJo and Black Widow? That's the 2020 game. You saw it play out time and time again, and it kind of worked. In a sick, sad, miserable, ill-planned way, it kind of worked. Not really worked, but kind of worked. And people are still hoping it's going to continue to do so, that Michigan is just going to be another New York City or whatever the hell. I get you. I hear you. That is not what's happening. There are only two options for what's happening right now in every country in the world, vaccinated or not. One, either you're passing around levels of the virus in your community that will eventually lead to outbreaks all over your country at once. All over your country at once this time. No sunbelts, no gentle plateaus, no the floor is lava, no good neighborhood, bad neighborhood, except playing with entire states and regions and societies. This time everywhere at once, in and out to various degrees, unending. For months and perhaps a year plus at a time. Or two... Maybe your magical domestic vaccination plan actually works out and somehow you actually do vaccinate everybody and you keep the variants out long enough. These variants and their bypassing mutations that are accelerating, you have no idea when, where, how, globally, somewhere one of them is going to bounce back, is going to reach your fucking neighborhood again is going to start spreading in your community. Once again, these outbreaks are worse in the Philippines, in India, in Brazil, and many other countries than they have ever been, often by double the amount that they have ever been. And most of this uptick has happened in the last 30 to 45 days. All of it has happened in 2021. There are entire regions and countries which throughout the entire year 2020 did not get a single 
overflow of hospitalizations which are now facing collapse. ICUs over 80% is where I think that collapse about begins. And what more, we have not even begun to start facing down the long-term problems because guess what's going to fucking happen with these escape vaccines? They're going to start taking out healthcare workers. They're already suffering from burnout, from frustration, from just not being able to handle what they're being put through because no human being should be asked to. That's already give me and given, and I know that you're talking about that and the exhaustion and the fear and the pain for the people you love and all that coming. What a buzzkill I must be. I get it. I refuse to pretend that any of these facts aren't facts just because you don't know them or did not know them. I refuse to pretend that I'm not putting them in order in a very basic way. I refuse to pretend that what it pretends is not coming down the pike. What I saw in Wuhan, what we all saw in Northern Italy, what we all saw in New York City is happening, but you're not seeing it. Americans on planet America, and perhaps in your own media bubbles in your own countries, are not seeing it. Too many concerns, too many eyes looking too many ways. Whatever has occurred, mutation, fatigue, the answer does not matter. Does not matter. There is one way this disease goes from here if you ask virtually every expert, there's not all of them, but virtually every expert from here at this point. Does COVID mutate to get worse or better from a transmission, from a severity of infection, from a lethality standpoint? Does it get better or worse? The mutations from here. The answer is worse. The answer is specifically and directly worse. The answer is worse because of mechanics that I can't name off the top of my head, but even if I had a cheat sheet in front of me, I'd be struggling, let's be real. Basic virological theory, understood. Basic germ theory, well understood. Basic what's called species barrier transmission mechanics, understood. And all of them point towards COVID will get worse. Has gotten worse, will get worse. Won't be endemic like the flu. I know it's so nice when Dr. Gottlieb comes out. Dr. McSell's shots for a living says shots will solve everything. Yay! I know. It's great. It's fantastic. Feels real good in the tum-tum. Unfortunately, though, unless these are all just mistakes, what's happening in India and Brazil and the Philippines and fucking Cambodia and Papua New Guinea and Serbia and Chile and Germany and France and Botswana and South Africa and, 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 and with countries in their summers and countries with very young people and countries with very thin people and countries with considerably more women than men, because men do die more frequently from COVID, at least initially. And, 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 on it goes. I'm breaking apart. The CIA, one 
of America's 18 intelligence agencies. <laughs> oh, that sounds like such a fucking bullshit number. It sounds like such a fucking, like, made-up thing that somebody says to you at a bar because they want you to, like, tilt left for an argument. Ah, but it's goddamn entirely accurate. The CIA, but one of America's 18 intelligence organizations. And it's 17 sisters. Every administration, they come out with a report. The report says, this is what we think is going to happen over your administration, the next four years, and the next 20. Here's a sneak peek. This is what, this is it's a guess, obviously. They, they map out little things called scenarios. If you do analysis, scenarios are very useful. They allow you to free up your mind. If this happens, then this happens. If this happens, then this happens. If these things happens, then these things happens. Frees up your mind, makes it a game, makes it fun. This is why war games are just so easy to accomplish for the American military industrial machine. But I digress. The scenarios that they're talking about is exactly what I said. I said the tectonics of human society are shaking the last time I was here. They said that democracy is going to be in decline and a lot of trouble for the next 20 years. They said that paranoia and terrorism and extremism are going to be on the rise in every country all over the world for the next 20 years. And they're right. And they're right. Not they could be right, not maybe they might be right, they're right. At the end of the day, they kept coming back to one conclusion. COVID is going to fuck the world up for many years to come. Many years to come in ways that are just becoming clear. A perpetuating holocaust. A collapse of a medical system, but also a corrupting of political systems. Should you use the concept of a system of government extracting 10% of its money or more than it used to extract for personal gain, bribes, furthering of power, etc. Should you use, as we are trying to use a technical definition of hospital collapse and the hospital collapsing that is happening in the Philippines and Brazil and India and Chile all at once, then corruption is also happening. It'll not be as quick or as easy to see. Governments don't always run on annual or even quarterly budgets. They don't always have auditors. So the corruption will also happen behind closed doors. But if you consider COVID as it is increasing hospital collapse, is increasing social infrastructure or government collapse, the CIA and its 17 sister organizations agree. They agree with that thesis. That's also what they see happening throughout the world. They see tax rebates getting less generous, taxes going up, food prices going up, transportation prices going up, home prices going up. They see everything that I'm talking about, all of the things that happen in an interconnected society happening now. Forget your concepts of inflation or stock markets. I'm talking about something worse. I'm talking about our analysts, for better or worse, seeing it as well. So me, the hippy-dippy jerk-off artist, 
and the United States Department of Defense have exactly the same pressing concern on where the world is heading and why. And I said it to you nice people before they released their reports this week. They are hardly the only organizations making these claims either. In fact, pretty much as far as I can tell, the only organizations saying everything's great are economic interests who very much need <laughs> capital to keep flowing <laughs> or else they explode. For some reason, they see everything going wonderfully. By and by, one thing that makes money squeeze and capital happy is corruption of government. Because once you get rid of all those pesky fucking agencies and infrastructure, and you only have to bribe one or two people, you can make so much more money. Anywho, it's not just me seeing it. I'm getting really tired of the arguments that I'm having in the discussions, and that's why, to a significant degree, I had to unplug. When the Pfizer CEO and pitchman come out and say, you might need one of these every six to 12 months, and Americans go, duh. While India, the world's leading exporter of vaccines, says we're not going to be exporting any more vaccines, while America has twisted the arm of various companies and political parties in the EU to keep them exporting the vaccines that Americans want to import, while America has stopped exporting things and is hoarding them. I get real tired of it. Joe Biden got his fucking shot, his first shot, in December. If we do require boosters every six months, does he get one in July? Do our senators, our Supreme Court, our political elites, do they get them before American children, American homeless? What portion of Americans do they get them in front of? Say they need another booster every six months. Do they get them every six months or do they have to wait in line like other political leaders of other countries? This is why the CIA is talking about extremism. These are extremist questions, apparently. To me, they're basically just logistical. But they are real, so everybody who says duh to the concept of a globe that is stretching everything it can to make vaccines and not nearly creating enough, that's really bad news. If it's six months as opposed to 12. It's bad news if it's either. But it's really bad if it's six months. Really bad if it's six months. Considering basically everything that's happened with vaccines so far is as good as it can happen. And there's a real good chance that it breaks down from here. Don't just trust me. The CIA says so as well. Ah. So... Every bit of news that's come out for about a month, I don't think you've gotten it from just about any source. I guess you have to go looking for it. But this is not doom scrolling, as you can tell, because this is not in your feed, as far as I can tell. So this is doom searching. This is doom scholasticing. And I've begun just barely begun to try and tell you what's really going on out there. These are all 
the hardest, firmest facts that you can so easily look up. Everything I've said is so easily verifiable. And there's so much worse that's not. That I'm ahead of my skis on, that I can't prove, that I can't demonstrate. And there are worse scenarios than that. And, and, and. And I just can't pretend. Watching my, watching my fellow American on Planet America make pretend while this is going on, it's not going to do. And so I'm now going to say quite possibly the most controversial thing I've ever said is the Grey Knight, and maybe the most controversial thing I've ever said is a person. And if you find it deeply mentally ill, I ask only for your sympathy. You've now heard me ranting and raving for about 80 minutes on this. So if you find this potentially conflict-based statement to be that of an undignified and unfunctioning mind, be gentle, for clearly it is not based on anything other than conviction. I am shuddering because the concept of calling what happened in World War II the Holocaust is adorable. Do you hear me? Fucking cutesy. Fucking baby stuff. Do you hear me? In the same way that at some point as an edgy person you found out about Genghis Khan and all of his death and all those numbers and what percentage of the population is still related to him. And you said, oh, that's the real Holocaust. Yeah, that was edgy bullshit teenager shit. And that's not what I'm doing here. But the Holocaust, as it is a reference to World War II, no longer applies, and future generations will not understand it if we continue that nomenclature. This is the Holocaust. You are living in it. You are living through it right now. You are watching it begin to have its effects. The COVID is not something that has been defeated. COVID is something that is coming. COVID is something that is starting. The effects that it is going to have on global supply chains, on death, on destruction, on humanity, on systems, on government, are beginning. Not complete. Not in their death rows. I've had to unplug because Americans have now redefined the game. If you get vaccines in arms and you're allowed to go out and eat a burger, you're winning and other countries are losing. And that is exactly the phrasing that even the AP is using these days, even very neutral news sources, or what I used to think of as neutral news sources, on planet America have redefined everything. A thousand people die a day, NBD. Cases tick back up, no worries. Hospitalizations all across the country, hmm. What about Florida? What about Texas? What about... It's not cold today, so there's no global warming. And also, they're using different vaccines in Chile and in Serbia and the UAE. And these are news people. So how is it getting to you? It's not. How is this information helping you? It's not gonna. <laughs> Doesn't help me. This is really just me getting out there as best as I can. What's been going on about COVID that we know about? Only one in four countries on the globe keeps 
any kind of tally of people dying in real time. It's not the most important metric, really. But only one in four countries in the world even try. Of all the media sources that have attempted to even begin to estimate how many people have actually died, what the actual excessive mortality on a global level is from COVID, virtually none have even made an attempt. All the media sources in the world and everything I've read. In fact, virtually nobody predicts anything when it comes to COVID. There's just the occasional, oh, herd immunity, oh, travel by the summer. But very little scenarioizing. Ah, scenarioizing. Very little playing a game out. So I ask you to simply consider the facts on the table. COVID keeps creating new outbreaks faster, bigger in countries than it's ever hit before, some of them for the first time. By the end of June 2021, between April 2021 and the end of June of 2021, that three-month period, more people will have been infected with COVID than in the previous 15 months combined. It won't be by a squeaker amount either. And this will be by any way that you wish to measure it, confirmed or, or hypothetical, projected, whichever, whatever metric you want to go by. Hospitalizations will almost certainly, deaths will almost certainly be the worst. More than the last 12 to 15 months combined? Hard to say. Hard to say. But the cases and the severity will continue to increase in India and the Philippines for a while, continue to increase through Europe for a while. Europe's supposed to open back up. Economies, especially those reliant on tourism for double digits, 10% of their GDP or more, they don't really have a choice. They have to pretend that everything's okay. There's an entire island off the coast of Thailand where they're trying to vaccinate everybody to make it vacation island because they're that desperate for the tourism dollars as a country, as a portion of their GDP. That sounds like some crazy specific thing or picking on Thailand. But really, every country runs on some kind of economic theory. And governments, however much power they have, they can't actually snap their fingers and make good policy. They would if they could. Even shitty ones like North Korea. What if they could? They could snap their fingers and make farms produce twice as many crops. I assure you, they absolutely would. Would they feed those crops to their people? Ah, now that's another question. But they would if they could. Absolutely, if you gave them that power. Every government in the world would make much more effective policy if it actually cost them nothing. Every economy, every region in the world is super concerned about its economic well-being right now. The amount of global debt, the amount of debt, the amount of uh, borrowing that's gone on just to keep everything running, it can't keep going on forever. Even if you don't believe in inflation, or even if you don't believe in central banks or whatever, I really don't care. This is not a monetary or economic fucking debate. You can't keep borrowing. The borrowing has to run out. The borrowing is going to run out for a lot of countries. 
Greece and Turkey are pretty much showing what it's at. Because even though they're hitting all-time daily highs, they're still just constantly trying to open shit back up and pulling back on it and open it back. Because there's no money. They have no choice as a society, really. <laughs> COVID is causing total reorganization of every aspect of their governmental priority in Greece and Turkey right now as we speak. <laughs> and they'll still just hate each other and just be total rivals towards each other on a political and diplomatic and also a hospitality income level, and they'll continue to fucking fight each other as their economies spiral downward. There's almost no chance of anything otherwise happening. If there's just this amazing white boy summer and all kinds of tourism in Greece and Turkey, come and tell me so afterwards. You know, in August or so, come and cheer it up. But it's not fucking happening. <laughs> Whatever is causing these major surges, whether they be the variants or mutations or pandemic fatigue, because again, that 70% on the double mutant in India should terrify everybody. Because what's the other 30? What happened to change the world overnight in January 2020 keeps happening every month now. The game, COVID, keeps changing. You will soon hear about breakthrough clusters. You will soon hear about intubated minors. You will soon hear about increased lethality. These things are already being talked about outside of planet America. Right now, for I guess the fourth time, and what is almost certain to lead to the fifth because of how poorly we're doing with the fourth time, we're pretending it's just going to be Michigan. It's just the countries that I listed. We're pretending it's just a couple places in America, a couple places in the world, or just suddenly experiencing all-time highs despite using vaccines policy, all the rest. Just suddenly, just kind of happening, la la la. Well, I can't do it. This is the Holocaust. Welcome to the Holocaust. You will find out over quarter two, 2021, over until j the end of June, if I'm right or not. Because obviously it has to happen. Like right now, I'm saying this is happening right now. The game changed right now. The first couple of months of 2021 changed everything about COVID and made it worse right now. That means that the deaths are going to follow. That means what I see in Brazil, what's being reported in Brazil, is going to start happening in other countries as well. India, Philippines, other countries. Don't know where, don't know when. Outbreaks are still not understood with COVID. But they will. And now. Not sometime in the future, not eventually, now. The rate keeps going up. Cases, hospitalizations, deaths, all of them. No longer playing this cutesy game of only confirmed cases count and only if they're serious and only if the person was skinny and only if that the rest of you fucking Americans are playing. Play it all you want. Know that you were warned twice.
by someone who just couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it last year, suffer a psychotic break, can't handle it this year, suffering a worse one. Suffering a worse one. Because this year it feels worse. This year, the misinformation and the gaslighting feels worse. Because this time, you guys are playing America, just marching right along with it. I have not felt this, like, disgusted with the American government or people since, like, Newt Gingrich was telling me that I needed to embrace Jesus. And he was going to fucking use legislation to make it happen. It's about as shitty and fucking worthless as I think the average American psyche is on this one. And I'm pretty happy to let that out 90 minutes into it. I mostly kept it together. This is the caustic, acidic, angry bastard that I am these days, and I can't turn it off. Because this is the Holocaust. Fuck what you learned in fucking history books. This is it. It wasn't the big one. And now we've made it the big one. And until people recognize it is the big one, and the smartest, best analysts that we have, love them or hate them, say it's the big one, and the doctors who study this and have said all along this is going to be bad say it's the big one, and the only people really left saying that things are going really, really good are the people who are politically, economically, or personally making out like fucking bandits, then this is going to get worse. How many people do you think have died of COVID so far? The official number is around 3 million. How many do you think it is? If I tell you that it's going to be at least 10 million dead by COVID by the end of this year, that shouldn't even remotely surprise you. But what if it was 15 by the end of this year? Would that... Would that Does that sound too high? Does 20? If I say to you, before COVID is no longer a threat, before it gets tamped down and we figure out the vaccine and all that, if I say COVID kills 50 to 100 million people globally, how insane do I sound to you on planet America or anywhere else in the world? Because kids... I'm tired of pretending and bottling it up. If things keep spiraling the way that they're going, I don't see how it can be any lower than that. I don't, I don't see how it could possibly be. There is one way this situation goes from here. And I'm going to do my best to get back to it, to make my little entertainment product, to to get my shit all the way together. But I am either right about a really horrible thing happening or experiencing a total psychotic break. You tell me which is easier to suffer through, and I'll try and pick that lane. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, I'm very, 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 very sorry that this is absolutely not what you want to be hearing from me right now. I want to stress again, I'm cooking. I'm mostly kind of sort of eating okay, although I'm eating a little too rich because I'm trying to eat some feelings away. It's not working. I absolutely would be slugging it out for you if I could right now. 
But until I think the adults in the room are in charge, I'm, I can't. I can't. I'm trying so hard, and I just can't. If you are going to send me commentary on this, all that I ask is that you do a little Googling first. If you really, 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 really want to come and hit me, especially if I flubbed up on something, so be it. That's fair. But all I ask is that you do a couple of fucking clicks, read a couple of fucking articles outside of the planet American media sphere. Outside of the raw, 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 we've done so many vaccines, and vaccines are all that counts, so we win. Reporting. Because nothing I've said really has that much to do with efficacy rates. <laughs> it all has to do with just the pure fucking deluge of numbers that keeps growing. That keeps growing. Until... That consciousness makes its way through. I'm going to have to be a madman in the wild. Because it is just so much better than being sane.